Hello and welcome to the IJ Notes podcast. I'm Maskan with the IJ Net team. For our previous episodes on reproductive health, we've covered abortion access in the US and Ireland. But reproductive rights are a global issue. Today we shift our focus to India where access to reproductive health is complex. Although abortion is legal, a lack of healthcare facilities, cultural norms and the complicated nature of the legal system have created barriers for women in India. The Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act, commonly known as the MTP, allows for legal abortions, but according to this law, terminating a pregnancy requires the approval of doctors, putting abortion access largely in their hands. The denial of such services has compelled many to seek abortions under unsafe conditions. Other acts, like the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act or commonly POCSO, for example, criminalizes all sexual conduct involving someone under the age of 18. Under this act, if an adolescent seeks abortion services, the doctor is obligated to report an offence to authorities preventing many adolescents from seeking safe abortion services. For today's episode, I spoke to Dr. Alka Barua and Sanjita Gauri of Common Health India, an organization which provides and educates women on safe abortion facilities, to learn more about how journalists can report on reproductive health in India. We talk about how some well-intentioned laws have served as barriers to safe abortion facilities, discuss women's on-ground struggles with access to reproductive health care and more. Dr. Barua, we start with you. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the MTP Act which legalized abortion in India? Hello, I'm Alka Barua. I head the abortion team for Common Health, which is a coalition of civil society organizations. Uh, well, uh, I would talk a little bit about the legal rights we have a law since 1971 which was enacted in 72 through an act of parliament. After the am- recent amendments in 2021, it permits termination of pregnancy up to 20 weeks of gestation. Terminations are for a range of uh, socioeconomic, humanitarian, therapeutic and eugenic conditions. for beyond uh, 24 weeks uh, without any upper gestational limit for pregnancy it is permitted in substantial fetal anomaly which is diagnosed and approved for termination by a medical board and yet the indian penal code sections 312 to 316 say that any abortion in contravention of these stipulations is a crime and liable for punitive actions both against the service seeker as well as the provider so our legality is conditional so under what conditions can somebody not get an abortion uh, well uh, the conditions under which you certainly cannot get an abortion is that you cannot say that i want it the woman or the service seeker cannot say i want it because there are specific conditions which are determined to a large extent by the provider who is providing the services for instance whether there is danger to the woman's health where is there is danger to the fetus surviving uh, whether their pregnancy is a result of rape or incest or due to contraceptive failure so it's not a right it's something 
which the service seeker can ask for, but the provider determines whether person can undergo termination or not. Can you give me a case where a woman is denied abortion? Yes. For instance, uh, we have the issue of declining sex ratio. So what happens is that a woman who goes uh, for termination in the second trimester often is denied because the service providers are more concerned about the repercussions of terminating that pregnancy in the context of the preconception and postnatal diagnostic technique act under which sex determination and sex election to some extent is prohibited. So they are denied and this has been seen in a number of cases. In fact, Commonwealth itself has a study which has shown that. It was a well-intentioned act to address the declining sex ratio, but the aggressive public campaigning around sex determination unfortunately demonized abortion. Instead of addressing, you know, the societal sun preference. And that is where I think the messaging to a large extent went wrong. What has been the course of action that's pursued then? Do women not get aborted or do they seek medical assistance from different practitioners? What has been your experience? Well, our experience when women are denied is if they have the means, financial strength to go to private sector, then they do so. If it's very early enough, they go directly to the pharmacies and purchase the medications. But what we have found is these women are exploited both by the pharmacist as well as the private sector because they know who have come after they have been denied services by other legal facilities, the facilities which offer safe and legal services. When I say private sector, it's not the entire private sector, but some of them exploit them. And the, these are recognized clinics often. But what happens is when they find that a person is in trouble, they tend to financially exploit the person by charging more for such services. So we mentioned that termination of abortion is not seen as an individual law it sometimes needs to be seen in intersection with other laws such as the POXO Act. So if we specifically talk about how accessible is abortion to women who are underage, what are the struggles that they specifically go through because of the way laws are designed in the country? If we go to POXO first, you know, the intent was good, but what has happened is that the law insists that there is mandatory reporting to authorities in case a girl below 18 comes for any services related to reproductive health. This mandatory reporting to authority means that either the adolescents do not seek services from legitimate service providers or service sources, that work in compliance with the law or that providers are also concerned about the legal hassles you know to report to follow up because the authorities can come they can look at their registers because none of them is properly aware neither the providers nor the enforcing agencies are completely aware of what are their obligations and what are the entitlements of adolescents under the act so apart from the legal factors, what do you think are the cultural factors that are at play here? Abortion, even for adults, forget about adolescents, 
has a taboo associated with it in the socio-cultural norms, the context in which we live in this country. And adolescents find it difficult to even talk about having conceived and seeking abortion. We have often seen in our interaction with service providers and with civil society organizations is that these adolescents often do come fairly late because they hesitate to come and seek services. Like I mentioned earlier, any such services which has some legal angle to it, there is a tendency to exploit them. And the later the termination, the more likely it is going to be a little more invasive process or a little more complicated process. And exploitation, when you talk about it, is largely a financial exploitation. They are asked to pay more. They are sent from one facility to another. They are referred. So that kind of exploitation happens. So let's shift our focus to rural areas in India where healthcare facilities are not as easily available as they may be in urban areas. So what are the struggles women go through there? And uh, I'd like to ask Sanjata to take this up, please. Could you introduce yourself? I'm Sanjita Gauri and I lead maternal health portfolio of Common Health. So the questions you have asked about the urban and the rural. When we talk about abortion, we need to locate the abortion services in larger public health systems. And there are these rural and urban differentials. In rural areas, health infrastructure is inadequate. It cannot meet the healthcare demand. So it does apply to abortion services also. If you are in urban areas, of course, you have an exposure to information or mass media. You know that you are there is an infrastructure. You can reach from one facility to another facility. So there are the system, there are the chances you will have a safe abortion. But if you are in rural areas, you have more challenges. And then the distance to your facility also determines your access to safe abortion services. If you are very far from a public health facilities or from a private health facility, then likelihood is that you will not visit the facilities. You will exhort to the practices which are not considered safe. And being a woman, there are like you know many layers that we need to see. A poor network of a transport is there because you have to cover that distance to reach to the facilities which is recognized, which does provide the safe abortion services. Then you do not have access to good financial means also because you are dependent on it. So you need to arrange those financial resources to reach to the facilities. So in that patriarchal setup, all these things exist. So that's also adds an additional barrier for a woman to access abortion services. In that, you might have crossed gestational A's where medical methods of abortion are easily available. Alka, would you like to add something to this? Um, you know, if you look at the MTP Act, the government facilities right from the primary health center upwards are recognized to provide these uh, legal abortion services, termination of pregnancy. Whereas the private sector has to go through a fairly rigorous uh, approval process for being a facility which can provide termination of pregnancy services. But what happens 
in the rural area is that often these facilities do not have trained service providers. Even if the facility is recognized, if the trained service provider is not there, it's of no utility. And then these women go to pharmacies. Then again, they are exploited. A medication which is perhaps of 400, 500 rupees is sold to them for thousands of rupees. One of the main questions that we want to answer here is what are the unsafe abortion methods you have seen women go through? Or do they put their lives in danger? What do they do when they cannot access it? In earlier days when medical abortion was not there and before it became so popular and uh, was being used so rampantly, in those days women resorted to all kinds of risky physical and chemical methods like massage, abdominal pressure, insertion of sticks, using herbs, inserting hangers using toxic agents, taking high doses of paracetamol and chloroquine, etc. But those cases are not seen commonly now. What is more common now is largely unsupervised, unregulated self-medication using over-the-counter drugs. Now, these are often labeled as medical abortion drugs. But we don't know what the content of many of those drugs are, what is the quality, what are the doses these women are getting, what is the correct sequence in case they are getting the medical abortion drugs in form of combi pack. These are all questionable. And don't forget, uh, you know, the Guttmacher data shows that majority of women in India are using over-the-counter medications. The one reason is it offers confidentiality. It is something which is available both in urban and rural areas. They do get these drugs, but over-the-counter at the pharmacist, it's an illegal act because it's a Schedule H drug, which needs to be given only on prescription of a doctor and the second thing is they don't get any counseling they don't know as i mentioned they are not even aware of legality of termination of pregnancy forget about the dosage of the drug and the sequence in which they need to take and how it acts and what could be the result how can journalists report this better Common Health's own website has a whole lot of material on the studies done and that kind of evidence, women's lived in realities, is something that perhaps the journalists can write more about and Sanjita can talk a little more about. There's a lot of misinformation about abortion as Dr. Alka in the beginning had pointed out, like women do not know what are the clauses under what abortion is available. Maybe the journalist can start writing about it and abortion is legal and under these, these many clauses. I just want to add that when we were talking about the statistics of this, so one in a four abortion only happens in public or a private facility. Three in four abortion are self-managed abortions. So, and 77% of unintended pregnancy end in abortion and only 22% of abortions are considered safe. Nearly eight women die each causes related to abortion. Third leading cause of maternal mortality. So again, and another thing that's, okay, we have made a significant progress in maternal mortality ratio right now. Or the latest statistics says that it's 97. But if you look at who are these women who are dying, 
because of pregnancy related causes these are women they are from the lower socioeconomic quintile often dalit tribal women those who are illiterate those who are less educated unemployed and also where is this burden concentrated alga any closing thoughts on your end you know look at the ntp act when it came into existence in 1971 the whole idea was to provide safe and legal options to women women undergo abortions anyway once a woman decides that she doesn't want to continue with the pregnancy legality will only decide where she goes for that service to a large extent if she knows she will go to a safe and legal place but what i want to say is the law which came more than 5 decades ago which was primarily meant to provide safe and legal services even today does not do so the reason is we have campaigns for pulse polio we have campaigns for use of contraceptives but we never have campaigns to educate people about safe abortion services once again i'm muskan with the ijnet team be sure to follow us on twitter instagram facebook and linkedin to be the first to hear about our new episodes when they get published